We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses additional. Restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it's episode 45, and joining us to get ready for Ohio State's huge upcoming national semifinal game against the Clemson Tigers, we have former Buckeye, Ironman, cornerback, Chimdi Chekwa. We're also going to talk some Browns. We, The three of us collectively could finally uh, start talking about last week's loss at the Jets, and we're going to get pumped up, plus the hot start for the Cavs our Garage Beers of the Week, and so much more. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open your favorite cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. All right, and welcome everybody in to the Garage Beers podcast, episode 45. Go find us online at The Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram, and go find us on Facebook at The Garage Beers podcast. With you, as always, your host, Michael Keefe, and joining me, the two best co-hosts. Oh, wait, you can find me online. You can find me online at Garage Beers Mike on Instagram and Twitter. There we go. You can also find him on Pornhub.com. No, 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 no. no. Oh, oh. Okay. And it would be the least rated video of all time. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, having said that, let's bring him into the podcast since he's so rudely interrupted. Over on the east side of Cleveland, it's Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what's going on, Chad? Hi. Hi. I am back, boys. I am back from uh, spending the holidays in Hocking Hills. Uh, let me tell you something right now. I, I you know, ha, like we went and hiked that old man's cave, which is like the total, like, 
hundred percent like Hockey Hills, like tourist thing to do. Was it named after you? No, because no, be, I, I, I don't have a cave anywhere, but I am old. I am old. I'm old. Um, but uh, let me tell you something. It is absolutely gorgeous. Like when I hiked that, I couldn't believe that that was the first time I had ever been there because it was just like, yeah, I, I had seen hundreds of pictures online of people hiking that trail. And I'm just, it just never occurred to me to go do it. But I'm so glad I did it. It was gorgeous. Hocking Hills was a great time. I drank a lot of garage beers, um, and uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was it was great, guys. Love it. Well, welcome back. Glad you had a great time with the family, and we're glad you're back up we here smoked, in the We smoked. By the way, we smoked a meat. We'll get into barbecue talk later, obviously. But uh, we smoked. You ready for this, fellas? I know. I think I sent you guys you the did. photos of the you did. So we brisket. Know what you're gonna say, but go ahead, anyways. But it wasn't just any brisket, guys. It was a Wagyu beef brisket. My God, how, how much it? did that cost? I don't yeah. know because I didn't. I didn't buy it. I don't know. I didn't care. I I invite that sh- person next year. Did you I put just, it I in just, and around your mouth? I just ate the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just ate the shit out of it, and it was the second time in my life that I ate uh, shit? Oh. Uh, shit. Yeah. That I no, ate. That's uh, been way more. That, like just that just that just melted in my mouth. The other the other was uh, if you ever go to Ted Ted's Montana Grill, get the bison ribeye steak. Ah, uh, Ted's. That, that was incredible. But yeah. if you ever but outside of that, that's the second time. It was awesome. Anyway, nice. Glad, Welcome back, Chad. Uh, glad to have you back in the land. Also joining us back down in his in his home of Nashville, Tennessee. We got Joey Whalen. At Garage Beers Joe on Twitter. What's going on, Joe? Uh, you know, not good, Mike. Not good. What? Whoa. What? what? <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's a very controversial week. You know, it's been a tough <laughs> year, and you're offered, you know, the potential for this great thing, and then you get kind of shorted on it, and you're like, oh, why can't we have more? Well, what are you right? talking about, Joe? I'm talking about Christmas sales. Oh, poor guy. Oh. I'm talking about Christmas sales. Everyone that is a fan of Christmas sales knows that the 26th and the 27th are the last days to buy them. And then they're depleted stock from there on out. And I just don't get why it has to end. It's a, it's probably the shortest seasonal beer, I think, all year besides like Red Ales in March. You know what's great is that is maybe true in Nashville, but that's not true here. I'm going to be able to buy Christmas beers for probably the next month. Really? So, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it in a month. All right. See you <laughs> next week. Christmas Beer City. Like, that's what we do here. For real, Cleveland is like the – it is the Christmas Beer Hub, right? Like, uh, can we agree on that between – Yes. Uh, like, every I think you're week. wrong. Oh, it, I, it, I think the season ends. It's it, winter it, beers now. It's not Christmas beers. beers but it, it's – it's not like in Nashville where they run out of them. They there are well, they just ample stop. amounts. Mm. I, yes, there are. You, I guarantee you, I can go buy a thirsty dog, twelve dogs of Christmas in like a month. Guaranteed. How much? Yeah, because nobody bought them. Like, <laughs> what? you do know that thirsty dog. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but thirsty dog is a great Christmas sale. No, no, it's a terrific Christmas a sale. Great. It's a terrific Christmas sale. But I feel like. I feel like they, they, I feel like people buy Christmas sales like before Christmas to like get them, but then like they restock. And I, that's what I feel like. I feel like nobody buys them after that because they're like, Oh, you know, it's no, they're not sale. there. I went to restock the, I left when I come back yesterday 
Uh, <laughs> I restocked on Monday, attempted to, and you just have to do the runaround. You have to go to like different stores. Some stores only have certain beers. Some only have others. And the stock's just depleted. You can't go to your what one-stop shop way anymore. Out in Avon? Don't matter. <laughs> Don't matter. All right, well, Joe's having a hard time coping with his Christmas sales. Uh, you guys all, you always get to tell these fun stories when we start and I, and I love it, but I, I, I don't join in too much, but I'm joining in today. There's a reason oh, that, for that. I made such a colossal mistake today. Oh God. What happened? Oh, that's exciting. I made such a colossal lapse in judgment today. Oh God. Oh God. My beautiful wife, my beautiful uh-huh. wife, Katie, who takes time every week to design our little promo pictures with our guests. She does all that for free. She was like, let's go to Ikea today. And I went. Good for you. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Should have (laughs) gone. Okay. First of all, not only, I don't give a, no matter how much like weight I try to lose, it's not happening. But my wallet got way lighter today because I went to (laughs) Ikea. Not only did my wallet get way lighter, but I'm looking around my house. We drove down to Columbus. I should have went to the pit. We drove down to Columbus. And I got boxes everywhere that now I, I have to spend like the next week building shit in my house. Oh, my God. And I've heard, <laughs> I, and I've heard Ikea shit is just impossible to build. No, it, that's not true. I've built many an Ikea thing. Uh, okay. I am Swedish. And so maybe I just get it. <laughs> no, it's possible. It's just like not quick. <laughs> Dude, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I've said this on the podcast. I know you guys know this. We are expecting. Uh, uh, yeah. Katie's uh-huh. pregnant. Uh, and so, you know, that's the thing about having a kid, right? Like Patrick, my, my firstborn, you always buy stuff for a kid that will like convert and that they can keep as they grow up. So you don't have to keep right. buying them new shit. Sure. Yeah, but that's great. But then you have another kid and you got to buy all new shit again. Uh, so <laughs> I spent yesterday putting up a new crib. Uh, the kid's not the, the number two is due in May, uh, but I spent yesterday putting up a new crib. Then we had to buy a new light for the room. And then we had to buy a dresser and then we had to buy 48 other different things. And my life, my garbage bin, our garbage day here in Fairview Park <laughs> is Monday. Today is Wednesday. Yeah. My garbage oh bin is already full. Way <laughs> full. Oh way man. Full. What, Do what am I doing? <laughs> Do you know the sex of the baby yet? We are finding out Monday. Ah, perfect. Okay, so, so that'll be good. That's either going to mean we can recycle stuff, or I got to go buy more shit. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I'm so excited, uh, and we had a good time down there. But oh my god, I think our car must have weighed four tons more than it did when we drove it down there. But the number of stuff, the number of boxes that we came back with, just yeah, sure. Crazy. And it's none of the shit. And it's none of the shit that you want. It's just all dressers and beds and 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 desks. And, I bought and some cribs. kitchen stuff because when you get to the kitchen section, which is always downstairs in an IKEA, yeah. it's all like a dollar. Okay. It's like, oh, buy all of this stuff for a dollar. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm doing this. I'm buying kitchen stuff. Full disclosure, I've never been to an Ikea, so I have no idea. You and me, Chad, uh, we'll make a a day trip to Columbus to... to, uh, I'll come up. We can stay at Bird Dog. Oh, we'll stay at Brew Dog. Brew Dog, Ah! not Bird Dog. That's the whiskey. Okay. Ah! We're going to do that. We're going to do that, and we're going to do a podcast from there. Yeah, take Uh, a weekend. 
All right, so we're all here. Chad, Joe, me, we're all in our homes again. Uh, and we're really excited. We've got a great episode coming up. We're going to get a little bit later in the podcast. We're going to talk about the bronze, which we can finally talk about. We'll even get to the Cavs a little bit, but we're really excited because uh, we've got our garage beers of the week coming up and we've got a very, very special guest uh, to join us for garage beers of the week. So we'll get into that first. All right. Now it's time for our garage beers of the week, our favorite segment of the week. And we're really excited because our special guest this week is joining us for our Garage Beers of the Week. We'll call it Garage Drinks of the Week uh, this week. But let's introduce our special guest first. And we're really excited because we're going to dive into some Ohio State Buckeye football. Uh, This guy was uh, really an Iron Man for the Buckeyes uh, in the late 2000s into 2010. Uh, He was a six-year player in the NFL cornerback for those Buckeyes. We are super excited to have on Chimdi Chekwa. Chimdi, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, really appreciate you inviting me on. Uh, just thank, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited. Uh, you know, uh, you've got a great – there's a lot of fun things that we're going to be able to look back on during your time at Ohio State. Uh, yeah. Not just how much you contributed and played, like truly an Ironman, but – uh, the fact that you never didn't go to a BCS Bowl when you were at Ohio State is pretty yeah. awesome. We'll get into all that later, though. Let's get into our drinks. So we usually allow our guests to kick it off for our Garage Beers of the Week. So why don't you kick us off with what you're drinking tonight and, uh, I don't know, rate it. How do you like it? So this is my first time having this wine. I'm a wine drinker. I don't drink a lot of beer, guys. But um, I'm not even going to mess it up. It's a, it's an Italian wine. It was a gift. This Christmas, uh, nice. Vivaldi, um, a drier wine. So I like the cabs and Merlots. Um, so, you know, one, one of those. So it's pretty good so far. Love the it. The more I drink it, the better it tastes. Listen, you're find in good a lot of athletes are Yeah, I find that a lot of athletes are turned into wine <laughs> now. Is that is that, uh, is that true or is there is there just a bunch of – Yeah, so, so, my, so my, my wine journey – I'll call it is so I got drafted to play for the Raiders, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my uh, now wife, then girlfriend, really wanted to go to Napa. Sure. And I'm like, we won't even drink wine. So what's the point? <laughs> so we went, you know, we did the tours and the wine tastings. And the more I learned about it, the better it tastes. Right. So ever since yeah. then, and then also, so the next year, it was yeah, the next year, Charles Woodson came to Oakland. Um, he opened his own. You know, winery out there in Napa. Um, it just and then it just became something I really enjoy. So, um, and and Woodson would always say, one glass of wine a night or one or two glasses of wine a night keep you. I don't know. I don't know. I was trying to find whatever his secret was. I was trying to. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all trying to find that. It didn't work as well for me as it did for him. So, <laughs> Well, listen, you're still working on it. You're still young. You're still working on it. Fine. I'm going to tell you, I took my wife to Napa back in 2016. Like Napa, that was the hardest trip I have ever had to like pack for. Because yeah. <laughs> we went in July and up in Napa, it was like 95 degrees every day. Right. And then we spent like four days in San Francisco and it was like 58 every day. And they're only like an hour apart. Exactly. That's what I love about the Bay. Because the, my, my thing is always, whatever I want, I can find it in the Bay. Whoever I want to be, I can be. I have my, <laughs> a, different, a different pocket in the, the area. But whoever I want to be, I can be, at least for that night. 
All right, so Chimney Jaguar joining us, bringing in some Italian wine. Again, not the first guest on the podcast to have wine, so we are we are always uh, we're accepting of any drinks anybody wants to have with us. So bringing some red wine from Italy onto the podcast. Let's throw it over to the east side of Cleveland. Chad Meyer, what are you drinking? Well, guys, uh, I went to Hocking Hills for the holidays, right? Uh, I spent about five days there. A beautiful time. Great time. And man, but the thing is, I promised myself that when I got back, I would do a full week detox (laughs) after how much I decided to drink after that. So, uh, you know, and Monday and Tuesday I did fine, but, you know, and I think I'm just going to stick with it tonight, guys. So you're not. I think I'm just going to stick with it tonight, guys, though. So we're going to. We're just gonna stick with it. Yeah. Uh, I so first of all, this is a podcast, and no, they're oh, uh, pouring a drink right now. <laughs> but I'll do the play-by-play. Oh. A nice full pour. Oh, this is beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is beer. This is beer. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> what? So we went to a local brewery down there. It's called uh, Brewery Thirty Three, uh, and they only did growlers. Nice. And uh, you know, the thirty three stands for Route Thirty Three. Uh, that which is the route that runs through Logan and all the way down to Athens down there. I don't know. Have you ever been in the area? These are three of you been down in the area? I've been to Hockey yeah, Hills. Yeah. I've been. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. 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 And, and they were only selling growlers. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Stop by. Got a growler. Uh, and this is the Shanks proposition number two. Uh, pale ale. Uh, you nice. know, I taste tested uh, a few of them. And this is the one that came out. Uh, the best for me, and uh, it's quite a tasty beer, guys. So uh, screw the detox. I'm drinking beer tonight. <laughs> hey, that's what we like to hear. All right, so Chad, uh, bring <laughs> back some beer from uh, Hocking Hills. Let's throw it down to Nashville. Joey, what are you drinking tonight? Um, by way of you, I'm drinking a Treehouse beer. Yes. From, where is it? Massachusetts. Just the state, or is there like a specific part? I mean, it, yeah, it's not. It's from the middle of the state of Massachusetts. There's nothing else. <laughs> There's there. nothing else there. Uh, it's their perfect storm, and it said it, it says it's their one of their hev- most heavily hopped IPAs they've ever had. Yeah, it's uh, so it's a tropical hoppy juice, delicious beer. It's very creamy looking and delicious. Well, there you go, Treehouse can never go wrong with that. Probably one. the first or second best beer I've had on the podcast. Oh, there you go. All right. I like to hear now, that. Now, Tim D, the little backstory. This is a brewery that uh, people drive from all over the country. Like uh, Mike's friend, co-worker, just went up there and bought five grand worth of beer because they don't distribute anywhere. Wow. <laughs> but he, he's brought good. It, he bought it for like all of us, and then we all paid him. <laughs> so he probably bought it for like 100 people, and then we paid him for our beers. But it's yeah. dedication. We're dedicated to it. So I just started making – uh, this is a little different, but I just started making like a homemade ginger beer. Oh, nice. Ooh. I'm oh. excited about. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. Literally just started. So, we'll, we'll see how it turns out, but I have to let you guys try it after I, after I perfect, perfect it. Well, we're going to get to the restaurant, but once you yeah. start selling it, yeah. you know, it's like the main beverage at the restaurant, then, yeah. then we'll go down. We can all meet in Columbus and have some ginger beers. There we go. Yeah. All right, so I'll wrap us up. Uh, I'm really excited about this one because I just saw this for the first time here in Cleveland, uh, and it's a place that I've been a couple times. Uh, from the Open Gate Brewery, 
just outside of Baltimore. Boys, you know the Open Gate Brewery a little bit better as the home, the U.S.'s home of Guinness. I have a Guinness. Uh But I don't just have any Guinness. I have, from the Open Gate Brewery, brewed right here in the U.S., I have the Imperial Stout, which sounds very Guinnessy, aged in bourbon barrels. Oh, of course. Stout aged in bourbon barrels. Wow. It is phenomenal. Uh, Cool story about the Open Gate Brewery. It opened in Baltimore a few years ago. We went the first year. It was amazing. It's a really cool place. And the big story about it is it's the first time in like 60 or 70 years that Guinness has opened a customer facing like tap house brewery outside of Dublin, uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, and that's, that's what they did in Baltimore. So it's a really cool place. They brew their own beers there. Plus they have like the normal Guinness. Uh, but this is one of their best ones. Uh, I found it at Heinen's, uh, on the West side of Cleveland. So, uh, the open gate, Brewery Guinness Imperial Stout in bourbon barrels. If you see it, buy it. Uh, it'll make your your wallet a little bit lighter, but it's worth it. It's amazing. So, <laughs> so we got an Italian wine. We got a treehouse. We got a Hocking Hills beer, which sounds great, and a uh, a little bit of a non traditional Guinness. Those are our garage beers or drinks of the week. Cheers to you guys. Cheers to the listeners. Uh, let us know as always. Get onto our social media. Let us know what you're drinking. Give us some suggestions, and we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So. With that being said, it's time to get into some Buckeye football. And before we get into the 2020 Buckeyes, we want to talk about the Buckeyes from around 2007 to 2010, uh, four-year stretch that was a, a crazy time, and we'll walk through it. But uh, uh, we, want to, we want to go through it with this gentleman that lived it, uh, Chimdi Chekwa, uh, lived it as a cornerback for that team. Uh, before we get into that, though, I got one more thing, a little fun thing that I want to talk to you about. So we put out yesterday, we did our little promo that we were going to have you on the podcast and my phone immediately goes off. And it's my buddy, Marty, who says, Hey, when are you talking to Chimdi? And I said, uh, tomorrow. Why? And he said, Oh, we grew up in the same place. We used to play basketball together. He actually played football with my brother. Uh, so, uh, my, my buddy, Marty Dempsey used to play basketball with you down in Florida. Uh, his brother, uh, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. He played with you. Uh, Marty passes on his regards. He says, hello, probably the best basketball player you've ever seen. That's like five, nine and uh, has a beer belly. Yeah. <laughs> the dude was unstoppable every time I ever played him. And I don't know how it was possible. Uh, but he shared a funny story and a funny picture with me. So uh, you went to Claremont High School, right? East Ridge in, in, Claremont, in Claremont. East Ridge in Claremont, right. Sorry, I don't know. I have no idea. But he sent me this picture and he said, funny story. He sent me this picture of Richard Jackson and Heather Coral. I don't know if you can see that. And in yep. the yearbook from your high school, those two were voted most athletic. <laughs> and Heather is Marty's wife. Yes. So, so Heather and Richard were both in my class. So me and Heather had a lot of classes together. Um, but we were all three of us the same year. Heather played soccer and probably other sports. I don't remember. I want to talk about Richard Jackson for a minute. How'd that guy get the award or the most? Uh, the Richard, most so, so, so Richard was the ninth ranked 
eighth, eighth or ninth ranked receiver in the nation. So when we were when he was a junior. Um, wow. And, and so Eastridge High School was a brand new high school. I moved to Florida my ninth grade year from New Orleans, the New Orleans, Louisiana area. Yeah. Um, so I really wasn't known in Florida. Eastridge had just opened up that year. Me and Richard and Heather <laughs> and Brian were freshmen um, that year. And not a lot of college, uh, not a lot of colleges knew where Eastridge was. They they go on their recruiting trips and drive right past the school. Oh. Richard really put our high school on the map. So Richard nice. got he got really big. Um, his highlight tape was ridiculous, right? <laughs> one of the top highlight tapes I've ever, ever seen. Um, and he was, yeah, he was the top one of the top receivers. He ended up uh, committing to Notre Dame. I committed to Ohio State. And that year, our senior year, Notre Dame played Ohio State in, um, I believe it was the Fiesta Bowl. Yep. And of course, Ohio State won, so I had the bragging rights around school. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Richard, Richard was uh, a big time athlete. We were the first big time like college players um to come out of East Ridge. And we actually me and Richard just actually just went to the Claremont and got a the first we were first inducted into the you know, East Ridge Hall of Fame. Oh congratulations. We have a, a major player right now who uh was in the World Series and then me and Richard and our and our football coach that um when I was I, I was there. Got Whoa, did, did you did you cover him? Did you have to cover him in that game? No, no, no. Did I have to cover Richard? <laughs> yeah. In high school or? No, that game was the, the, the Notre Dame. Oh, it was before. Yeah, that was my senior year. So that was our senior year. Gotcha. Okay, okay. They were like committed <laughs> and then they played in the ball game, so it was a big thing. But no, yeah, me and Richard were, uh, I mean, we're still friends, obviously, to this day. Um, oh, yeah. my bad. <laughs> so typically, I probably would have gotten most athletic. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, was the, number, the number two receiver uh, in, in Florida and number nine in the nation. So it was yeah, it was a it was a, a pretty good recruiting recruiting class out of our high school that year. Yeah, my bad. I thought we just had a full circle moment there. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I just needed somebody to agree with me that my buddy, my very very good friend Marty, who is just a blazing redhead, <laughs> right? He no longer has his beer belly. He got rid of that, which is super impressive. Uh, but this dude is not tall nor athletic looking. Yeah. But that guy gets you in the post in basketball and he scores every time and i don't know how it ever happened <laughs> this is a small world man yeah man uh so anyways marty says hi. i'm sure brian heather all the same uh but cool thank you for sharing that story so talk to us a little bit so you uh you richard that football team put your high school on the map uh tell us just a little bit about your journey to ohio state how did you how did you come to the buckeyes what was that recruiting process like uh and what made you pick the bucks so uh, like I mentioned, so Richard was the one bringing a lot of the schools to the to to our high school, um, and then I started getting recruited. I mean, it came to the point where any, any coach that came to see Richard came to see me because it was like our coach was like, "Well, we got this this uh, corner too. He runs ten five and a hundred meters, and he's he nice size and you know all that stuff." Um, but ultimately, the receiver coach Daryl Hazel from Ohio State ended up recruiting me. Um, at Ohio State, it was pretty late in my senior year because I didn't really start in high school until my junior year. So wow. you know, now, guys, everybody gets like I feel like everybody gets offered now when they're in like the eighth grade. Or right. Seventh grade. Oh yeah. But right. back then, you still could get offers your senior year. So you know, I got a late offer from Trestle. I didn't put I didn't put much stock into it initially. I was kind of set 
with kind of this SEC, ACC schools. I'm trying to be a little bit far far enough away from home where my parents would have to get on a flight to come see me, but close enough. <laughs> Close enough, if they had to really drive, they can still make a six-hour trip. <laughs> so I didn't put a much back into Ohio. Um, but then I got the offer. Then a week later, you know, Trestle came and sat in the office. And I was like, after talking to Trestle, I'm like, I got to go to, I got to go visit Ohio State. And, you know, me being someone who grew up in the New Orleans area, moved to Florida, but I was always like around the city type area. Yeah, sure. I wasn't into the college town for real. I didn't want to, I remember going to Clemson on kind of like an unofficial visit um, and being like, I can't live here. <laughs> like me and Richard. The coach took us on like a tour of the campus in the car and I'm in the back seat. I fall asleep. So I wake <laughs> up and get out of the car and I'm like, okay, man, I, I missed the whole tour. I was asleep the whole time. He was like, it's like, what? I was asleep too. <laughs> I was like, man, what? <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. God. <laughs> so I um, you know, I thought but I thought Columbus, Ohio was a bunch of cornfields and you know, soybean crops and you know, just a big farm. <laughs> I got to Columbus, I saw it was a nice city, still had kind of a college town feel to it, but it was really a you know, a big major yeah. city. I, you know, I loved it. Even though the, my my recruiting visit was it's pretty terrible to be honest. It, it snowed. It was first time I ever seen snow. Yeah, was, I was gonna say snowstorm pretty much. School was out at the time because it was kind of late in the year visit. Um, so there was no other students. There was nothing I can really. I couldn't go to a party or nothing. There was nothing that actually happening. Um, and then uh, Anthony Gonzalez, Brian Wabrisky were my like, you know, hosts. And I love I love those two great guys, but they're not the best recruiting. You <laughs> know, <laughs> so. That's Congressman <laughs> Anthony Gonzalez. No, <laughs> Congressman <laughs> Gonzalez. Yes, he was. He was. He had the demeanor of a congressman back then. Also, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the visit, you know, the visit was wasn't wasn't great, but just you know, just the the atmosphere, the professionalism of you know the actual Ohio State and the opportunity was so much better than what I saw elsewhere. Elsewhere, so I mean, my ultimate mission and goal was still get a college degree and make it to NFL. And I felt like those two um, were perfect fit at Ohio State. And Trestle fit my personality. That was the other thing. So Urban Meyer was at Florida at the time. I had gotten recruited by um, Florida also. And who's the head coach at Florida now? Um, oh, it's uh, Mullen? Dan Mullen. Mullen. Dan Mullen was the guy recruiting me. And I could not stand it. Oh, okay. Could not stand <laughs> That guy is a nutcase. As a high school kid, I could not stand him waking up to Dan Mullen text messages. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't couldn't stand it. So you know that that it, I mean, great coaches, great coaching staff, but their their personality I mean, didn't fit me who I was at the time, and Chesso yeah. did. So you know, I was excited to be able to come out to Ohio State. Oh, did he? I mean, did he bring his wife to kiss you? And that just like was nice. Like, no way, no thanks. Uh, he's, I, I would wake up to the. Uh, if you're not a gator, you're gator bait text every morning. Okay. Oh god. I'm like, have you seen that? Have you guys have you guys seen that? Like his wife, yeah. like as they walking into the stadium, she like hugs and kisses all the players <laughs> as she walks in. Dude, the guy's no, the guy's I, crazy. I, I didn't I didn't get that far in the recruiting process. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, thank thank goodness. I scratched him off the list before I could get to that point. Uh, now 
Now, you never saw snow, Jim D, but like, was that the first time in cold weather too? No, so it gets cold in, so growing up in Louisiana, Florida, it gets cold. And then you have always have okay. that rare week where it's just randomly like 28 degrees for no reason. <laughs> oh, wow. So, okay. Um, I hadn't, it hadn't, it hadn't snowed. I mean, frost and stuff, but it hadn't, you haven't, I never saw snow fall from the sky until I got to um, Columbus, Ohio. But when I got to Columbus, it was so much snow. It wasn't like, <laughs> no, I almost drowned in it. It was snow and I didn't have a, the funny thing I didn't have a, a coat. Oh no. For the weather. So I had a coat that I bought in Florida thinking it was like a real puffy coat. I looked like a, a, right. a Eskimo, but right. it wasn't really built for cold weather. It was built for like, yeah. you know, 40, 50 degrees. Um, so the wind hit me, and it just—I feel like I was wearing a, a tank top. This, you're the second person. I think yeah, it was, was it Daniel Johnson that we were talking to with the Indians that he moved to a cold weather place. And it, you're the second person. It reminds me of. Did you see the movie Cool Runnings, the Jamaican bobsled yeah, team? Yeah. When they fly up to Canada for the Olympics, and like the door opens in Calgary, <laughs> and it's just snow blowing everywhere, <laughs> and they start taking all the clothes out of their suitcase and putting it on in the airport. Yeah. Yeah, you, not, you gotta have a coat. Like in the south, like they don't really sell coats for cold weather. Like that cold weather, it looks like it's super warm, and I mean it fits the the environment you're in. But as soon as you, I walked off the plane and got in Columbus. I'm like, man, I'm, I can't do this. Like this is it's too cold. And then uh, I think it was Hazel. Hazel actually gave me his coat. Like he was like, look, and his coat looks so much thinner than mine, but it was still so much warm. <laughs> Doesn't really make sense, but all right. efficient. It's an efficient yeah. jacket. Right. Yeah. All right. So you get up here. You you make the decision. You're coming to be a Buckeye. You get here. You redshirt for a year, right? Yes. So your first year was the first national championship game season uh, against Florida, uh, and that whole season you didn't play that season. But then you came on to play the next season, and I don't think you didn't start the next season, but you played in every game. Yeah, so I played in every game. I started about maybe five or six games because we will start the game with nickel, nickel package. Yeah. Um, so the way the way they did it is, you know, they wanted to get me on the field, so they didn't move Malcolm to like a safety position. Um, Anderson Russell was the safety would play like that nickel corner. Um, yeah. And I would come in and slide in at that boundary corner for for Malcolm. Um, so some games like when we, when we played Purdue. Which at that point they were all pass, all passing. Yeah, I started that game. So I probably started about five or six, six games. But I played, I played a lot in every game. And from there, for four years, you played in every game, uh, and that's that's incredible. And and we'll get back to. I'm embarrassed to say what I'm going to say about your first season, uh, but that's an incredible. Uh, you know, to be able to be out there uh, in a major conference like the Big Ten and play four years of every single game, uh, you know, what kind of what kind of treatment does that take? What kind of, you know, did you have to mentally prepare for that? Is there some luck involved in that? Yeah, some luck, some toughness for real. So what a lot of, what a lot of people don't know, so, and I, I didn't even know until I got to the NFL. I have two hip impingements. So left and right side have an impingement. So I ran track at Ohio State. Um, my junior year, going into my junior year, I um, 
you know, in the in the hundred, I tore like my my hip flexor. Oh. And it because of the way my hips are, which I didn't know this at the time, but it it pulled off on the left side. It pulled off like a little bit of bone. Oh. I didn't I didn't know, so I you kind of just kind of try to let it heal, and then during that season, it never healed all the way. So that whole season, I played my junior year with um, this year we won the Rose Bowl. I played with a piece of bone and a bunch of scar tissue about the size of like a golf ball. Just oh. kind of. Oh. Um, and I played every game that year. Oh God! Um, so that year, I actually wanted to try to play myself into you know NFL draft. I was I was going to graduate. I had already been there for years, but I had to get surgery after the season. <laughs> so. Uh, it wasn't really an opportunity. Plus, I didn't have that great of a year because I was limited um, in terms of my movement and mobility. So, but yeah, it, I mean, some toughness, you know. And the other, I mean, the other part is I just, I just wanted to play. You know, is you're young yeah. and you kind of sometimes not always to your benefit. <laughs> you just want to play. Um, Jeez, man. Yeah. Ain't it a bitch getting old though? Like you're playing with bone torn off of your hip and stuff. I stubbed my toe and I got to sit down for a half hour. Like, <laughs> like I thought it like I banged my knee on the side of the bed frame and I didn't, wasn't sure I was going to make it to the pod. <laughs> I'm telling you, getting old sucks. My, my daughter climbs on me, and I get nervous. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, be, be careful! <laughs> Daddy's getting brittle. I'm getting right, brittle. I got, I got some uh, so here's what I'm a little bit embarrassed about. I'm I, I'm looking back, and I'm thinking, okay, like the 2007 2008 Buckeyes. What the hell happened that year? Really? And I'm thinking. I, obviously the, the year before is the Florida game. What did we do? And then I'm like, Oh my, Holy shit. We went to, like the Buckeyes went to the national championship that year again. And then it all starts rolling back in. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that kind of the end of that year. Cause you guys have a good year. You have one tough loss uh, uh, in that year, uh, but you have a really good year. You're ranked really high. And this, I will never forget that last season or that last week of that season was the craziest week because it didn't look like you guys were going to get into the national championship. And all of a sudden, that last weekend, Missouri loses to Oklahoma and Missouri was ranked, I think, number one at the time. And West Virginia with like Pat White and them, they lose to Pitt in the most ridiculous, the most egregious uh, upset victory. What was that like for you as a Buckeye, knowing that your your fate to get to the BCS title game was pretty much in the hands of at least one of those teams? What was it like watching both of those teams lose and knowing you were going to get to the title game? It was, it was nuts. It was nuts. So we, Tresso had like a, a watch party at the Woody Hayes. And we had two like big projectors up and we're watching both games and we're hoping that somebody somebody loses. And I, I believe Pitt had was it Shady McCoy at the running yeah. back? Running back? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he was just going off. Yes. And and then um the other game. So we're watching both games. We're just hoping one <laughs> one team loses. And then they both lose. And it's just like a party at the at the uh, Woody Hayes Center, we're just partying. Then we start to think, like, hold up. 
they both lost. Yeah. We're going to yeah. be number one now. That's right. We don't know who are we going to play? Like, at that point, it was like the list of teams behind us is like, okay, they're not going to put this team in, right? Right. Sense. So they need to – so we're thinking they're going to go to the SEC and grab a team out of there and move them ahead of somebody to play as otherwise, you know, so – it, it was a it was a it was a crazy situation. Uh, it was fun though. It was it was really fun. Um, it wasn't fun losing, oh. <laughs> but um, that that whole that whole year was just a crazy year because it was a bunch of upsets that year. So it was a crazy year. That was it was I it, it, like I said I feel like I just like erased it from my memory. Like I had to kind of read up about the national title game even, and again that's embarrassing for me to admit, but. I can I remember exact details of the year before of the game against Florida and and Teddy Ginn returning that kick and breaking his leg and all this stuff and I'm like I don't remember anything about that LSU game and then I start kind of reading about it and I'm like oh it all comes back to me it like it was, so it was a weird year because there was no real standout team really. right yeah like even like right. even us for us like Todd Beckman was our start was our uh, our starting quarterback. And the next year, you know, Beckman ended up losing his his job to Terrell. So Beckman didn't really have a long uh, string at, at, you know, as his, at his position. We were in like a year where, you know, Troy Smith had graduated. Right. Um, it, it, Ted Ginn had left, Antonio Holmes had left. So we were kind of in a, a little bit of a transition uh, offensively. And then LSU wasn't really considered a great team either. I mean, Matt Flynn at quarterback. Uh, they had Glenn Dorsey at the, on the D line who was yeah. killed off. I mean, yeah. he was he was a beast. Um, but no, they didn't have anybody really great. Like their receivers were good. Um, I can't remember the one guy who went to the league and played for a while. But yeah. they didn't have, there was no like there was no standout yeah, standout um, thing. So yeah, it was it was just kind of a weird a weird <laughs> year. I'm still mad that we lost that game, and it's crazy because our our whole game plan, our whole approach was to stop their passing game to these receivers that were really good. And they never really threw the ball to them. They just threw the ball to the tight ends and kind of confused us a little bit. Throwing the ball to guys who had no catches all year and they scored touchdowns. Everybody, it was like SEC fun- speed, speed, but then they just threw the ball to the slow guys. That's a funny <laughs> thing. No, when you like look at the teams, like Glenn Dorsey, sure. Matt Flynn, okay. Uh, Early Doucette played in the league for a bit. Oh, my but God. You, you look at these teams and you're like, Trend and Holiday? Uh, okay. Uh, Ohio State, there's so many more bigger names. You know, James Laurinaitis is on that team. And uh, Larry Grant was still playing. Kurt Coleman still playing. Obviously, you, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Cam Hayward, all you guys are on that team. It's so crazy to me to look at that LSU team and go, who in the hell are half of these guys? Right. Uh, but it was a, like you said, it was a weird year. That was the year. I actually was in New Orleans on New Year's. We, my, I had a buddy that went to Georgia, and he got tickets to the Sugar Bowl, and that's when Georgia played Hawaii in the Sugar Bowl, and that was the worst football game I've ever watched in my whole life. Yeah, uh, no, no, we went to that game. <laughs> oh, we stayed for like 12 minutes, and it was like 52 to nothing. I was like, we have yeah, to. I remember watching that. Uh, but, yeah, that was – like you said, it just wasn't a crazy season to start your, like, playing career off with the Buckeyes. Yeah. So then you go on three more years after that. And it's, it's an incredible period of time for the Buckeyes uh, because that was the only 
BCS title game that you guys went to in your career there. But that was certainly not. I mean, th- those were you had awesome regular season games. Uh, you had USC. Uh, you had the USC series those couple of years. You had uh, the Fiesta Bowl the next year, the Rose Bowl the year after that. You played in every BCS game except for the Orange Bowl. Yes. Like, that's an amazing accomplishment for you and your team. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great time. My senior year, I thought we were going to go to the national championship. That was, that was always my, my biggest regret is that we lost that game to Wisconsin that yes. kept me from, from making it there. I truly thought we were the best team in the nation that year. Um, obviously, uh, Cam Newton had a heck of a year. Yeah. A year, but I thought we matched up well against every team. But, you know, it <laughs> So when you look back, so you're a player on that team, and obviously that team is now, there's the infamous part of that team uh, where uh, you look at uh, you look back at the games and it just says vacated next to them. Right. <laughs> right. Like, does that matter to you? It matters, no. no. <laughs> I, got a, I got a Big Ten ring from it. Um, but, so it was weird because the stuff happened, and then after, you know, after the, the big media story, they still let everybody play in the, in the Sugar Bowl game too. Yeah, yeah, that. And I, I dislocated my wrist in that game. That was my last last game of my career. Dislocated my wrist in the first quarter. Ugh. Had surgery <laughs> the next morning. Jesus. Uh, I went to the combine with a cast on and ran cradle <laughs> forty three. So, no, all that stuff doesn't matter to me because I still got the battle scars to to show for it. So yeah, that's I was. I had my like, leg. I had my leg amputated. I ran a four <laughs> four in the NFL combine. <laughs> You know, you know, no big deal. <laughs> I like how you said earlier you run like a ten and a half in the hundred, and I'm like, is that minutes? That would be minutes for me. Is that ten and a half minutes? I need a nap, and then I'll finish the race. We're good. Yeah, those days are long gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So you know, in all that, in uh, Fiesta Bowl against Texas, in Rose Bowl against Oregon, uh, you know, obviously that last year. Uh, uh, as we kind of transition out of the Buckeyes uh, for you and your time there, uh, what were some of the most special, like if you had to say what's like the most special moment you had with the Buckeyes, what would you say? I think the Rose Bowl win. Yeah. You know, the Rose Bowl win. Um, actually, my that, that, uh, my freshman year, the, the year I registered when we beat Michigan at Ohio State, it was one versus two matchup. Oh, oh you know, that, that was so crazy. That was kind of a historic moment. Yes. Um, and then, you know, the Rose Bowl win in 2009-2010 year, yep. just because the Rose Bowl was such a historic um, game. And yeah. up until that point, we had never been to the Rose Bowl. We had never played there. And then it was Oregon. It was the, you know, the, the, the great Oregon in their, I don't know, great offense that was, was supposed to be too slow. To keep up, right. I mean, Ohio State was still considered slow <laughs> in that decade, right? And we didn't get out of this, the, the slow, the slow stuff until um, probably Zeke Zeke's uh, <laughs> years. Zeke right, right, right. So, um, being able to overcome that stigma a little bit um, would be a great memory. And then you know, just it's hard. I mean, I played with a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of guys. Um, so really, that connection. The opportunity to play with a lot of great players, Kirk Cone and Malcolm Jenkins, yeah. um, starting with Troy, finishing with Terrell. Like, it, it, it was a lot of memorable moments um, in those Big Ten championships. And 
the Michigan rivalry didn't wasn't the same when it started as when it ended. We started blowing them out every year. Right. <laughs> they played, they played, went through the played through the Rich Rodriguez years where the Michigan didn't even look like Michigan anymore. Um, but oh. the Rose Bowl. Hey, still a great day to be a Buckeye, speaking of Michigan, with Harbaugh signing that extension, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I don't understand it. I mean, at this point, <laughs> they seem desperate because it's like, I mean, he's not winning. So if you get extended, if you get extended after losing, it's one thing to lose to a house day. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's the rivalry, but, you know, it's, it's a great team. When you lose yeah. to everybody else, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> It's a problem, right? Because right. so as a recruit, you still look at Michigan in high regard to an extent. Like you still see sure. Michigan with Michigan. Sure. So when you're losing like this, this hurts the brand, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but like, from, I, like I don't get how do you get how do you get an extension? Like I would almost get it if they said, "Listen, we'll give him another year after this year," because this was a crazy year for a lot of teams, and. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna ride with him another year because frankly, in my opinion, Harbaugh out there in Michigan is John Cooper from before Jim Tressel at Ohio State because that's ex- that's because exactly frankly, what I was gonna say. They win in most of his years up there. They win nine ten games. Like they're up there winning games. Um, they usually they usually um, are. John Cooper. I feel like John Cooper was better. I feel like, <laughs> but it's the reverse. <laughs> John, Cooper, John Cooper would win nine or ten games. Huh? I said John Cooper would win nine or ten games, but then it would come to Michigan and it was a loss every yeah. time. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I guess this is the COVID year and things were. Well, this different. year was a disaster for them. That was crazy. It was. It was. This year would have been too much for me if I was in that position to make a decision on the extension or moving on. I think what it comes down to is they can't find a replacement. They can't find someone. They say you know what, we're going to move in this direction. If we if we get rid of Harbaugh, we got to hire somebody else. And we don't want to – we don't want to do the Rich Rodriguez thing again. Or I forget who was after that. We don't want to do that again. So oh, we need God, to it was – Big boy's name. Oh, God. Brady Hoke. Thank Brady you, Hoke. Brady Hoke. Yeah. We don't yeah. want to do the Brady Hoke thing again. So we need to be sure about – if they can't figure out a replacement, I think they just we just keep going with Harbaugh, keep some continuity and see what happens. Now it's interesting you say that, Jimmy, because I, you know that that this question just popped in my mind when you said that. Uh, you, you know, Lloyd Carr in the Lloyd Carr era, the Michigan Michigan was a premium, high profile job. You know, now that they've been through Rich Rod, Brady Hoke, Harbaugh, you know, and, and you know losing seasons with Rich Rod. Brady Hoke, yeah, he won 10 games, but they still can't beat Ohio State. Same thing with Harbaugh. And his Is khaki that, pants you, were so huge, Brady Hoke. He had the biggest khaki pants look, ever. Well, and, and he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't leave this pose. Like it, it just seemed like he couldn't leave this pose. <laughs> Harbaugh has been uh, I would agree. Yeah, Harbaugh's khaki wearage is way better than Brady Hoke's. Oh, it's, yeah. And and then he has like the old like Puma coaching shoes. It's a great. Uh <laughs> But um, Chimney, my question to you, Chimney, is do you think, like, even if they get rid of Harbaugh, is this, like, is Michigan now still a premium co- a coaching job? Like, like or, or are they going to get someone in that, like, second tier of coaches? I think that I still think they're premium. Yeah. Okay. I think they're a premium coaching job. I think, I think at Michigan you can get the recruits right because of the money. 
because I think the brand is still there for uh, okay. now. If you keep losing year after year after year, not just to Ohio State, you just yeah. losing to Ohio State. That's not enough to to damage the brand. It's Ohio State, but if you're losing okay. to Michigan State, overtime games at Rutgers aren't going to do it. These teams that are, are really – it's hard for me to even consider them Big Ten teams. Um, that's, that, that really – that hurts the brand long term. But I, 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 do, I do believe that Michigan is still a premium premium brand. Or if not top tier, they're second tier, which is still yeah. okay. pretty, pretty good. Well, that's, you know? that's a tier that you can pull a guy away from a smaller program. Uh, one of the next up and coming coaches, or you know, from a Mac school or something like that. That uh, you, you almost think they'll they should. Get, they'll never get Luke Fickle. No, no, they will <laughs> yeah. never. No, 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 no. They'll never get just, Luke. You it's think just it feels like they should? They should take a page out of their basketball team's book and like find a guy that has ties to like their basketball team did that with Jawan Howard, and that was a great move. That was a fantastic move. He's a Michigan guy, played there. He's their head basketball coach. Everybody loves him. He they're successful. It's great. They should. I, I mean, that's Michigan is a bit like Ohio. Him, that's a Harbaugh. tree. Oh, that is Harbaugh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's Harbaugh. You know what's you know what's funny to me though. I don't know if you guys agree, but it just doesn't seem like Harbaugh takes the game as seriously as as, as Ohio State does. I mean, you see him, and he he talks like about the game like it's just another game. You know, like, whereas, like, as far as Ohio State goes, like, I don't know, like Joe Burrow, you know, when he was asked what's a better rivalry, uh, LSU and Alabama or Ohio State and Michigan, Joe Burrow was two years removed from Ohio State. Like, he was knee-deep in LSU football, had no reason to care about uh, Ohio State and Michigan anymore, and he still called them Team Up North. He still called them Team Up North. (laughs) I, I just – I don't think – do you think that? I don't know. What do you guys think? So, I think when you can't beat them, why why make it bigger than what it – you know, like <laughs> – Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you're not going to be able to beat them, why hype it up, <laughs> right? Like, that's that, true. That doesn't true. help God. Plus, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Harbaugh has a level a, a level of arrogance also that he he wouldn't mm-hmm. want to talk up a specific school or or um, game or team. I think he believes he can just do what he does and he can he can um, he can win. I feel like Trestle's approach was really, and I, I remember being on scout team my uh, freshman year, and we practiced these plays all every week. And I'm like, we never run these plays in the game. Like, what is, what are these these plays for? And then Michigan, we we. All the plays come up. That was yes. That's what Mo Hall said to us. We're gonna use this on, on the road against Purdue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're gonna use Ted Ginn lined up on the on the end of, end of the line of scrimmage and running across the field and scoring touchdown. We could have used it, but it's like he saved him for Michigan. That is um, exactly what Mo Hall told us when we had him on. Uh, he said every week they would run an option play. They would take Clarette out of the package put Mo Hall in and run a Craig Krenzel Mo Hall option play that they never use. And he was like, every practice, he was like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And that was the play that beat Michigan to send that Buckeyes team to the national championship. And that's when Trestle called it. So that's so funny to hear that six, seven, whatever years later, Trestle's still up to his old 
his old tricks of like practicing Michigan plays all throughout the year, but never using them. I don't, I don't see Harbaugh doing something like that. I also, I also think Harbaugh has never gotten his quarterback. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's gotten the quarterback that he wants. You know, when he was at, what was that, Stanford? Yeah. Obviously, yeah, Andrew Buck. Um, but I don't think he, I don't think he had the, he's gotten the quarterback that he wants. I think he's trying to recruit him. I don't mm-hmm. think he's gotten him. I think they probably have a, a top recruit coming in next year. I think I, I don't know. I don't really follow it a lot, but I think he popped up on my phone. Well, uh, we'll see. I mean, with, with this guy, we'll see if he finally can, you know, put something together. If we say the word Michigan or Harbaugh one more time, I'm going to throw up. So let's get off of that topic. <laughs> and let's, before we get into the Buckeyes now, we do want to just, I, I love the stories that everybody has and, and that we've been very lucky to have some awesome Ohio State Buckeyes uh, share with us. But after your senior year, uh, a tough end to your senior year with the dislocated wrist, uh, but you go into the draft and you fulfill a dream. Uh, and you said your dream was to uh, get your degree and to get into the NFL and you fulfill your dream and, and, and you hear your name called in the draft and just tell us a little bit about what that's like and tell us a little bit about kind of your emotion through that and what your thoughts were when you saw, all right, I'm moving out to, uh, to join the Al Davises and the, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. I mean, crazy, crazy time. You know, you get to a point where you work and you've tried to do everything you can to, you know, get to this goal that you never know for sure if it's really going to happen. Back of your mind, you're like, I can do this. And then you also think, like, it may not happen. Like, it's a possibility that something happened. Um, had the freak accident with the dislocated wrist. And for a brief second, I thought, you know, maybe this doesn't happen. Like, maybe, oh. you know, I've, I already got my agent ready. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm projected to go, at a, uh, you know, get drafted or whatever. I feel confident about the whole. I mean, process. you were an All American. You were yeah, an All American right. that year. This will be my wrist, and it's like I'm not sure if I'll be able to catch a ball next year. <laughs> like I don't know if it's even gonna uh, be a possibility. I don't know how much it's hurts me in the draft. Um, but then the draft comes. I go through the combine process. You know, I couldn't do anything really but run. I did a little bit of drills, but I couldn't catch or anything. So teams are wary of my situation. Uh, but I go go to, through the draft process. And it's like, I can't control it. Like, all this time you play football, you, you're told if you work hard and all that stuff. And playing corner defense, you know, you can you can control a little bit of your own destiny. But um, you get to the draft, it's like everything's in everybody's hands. You don't know what these teams are thinking about, talking about. Yeah. Uh, so it, was a, it wasn't – it was a tough process leading up until getting drafted. Once you get drafted, everything else went away. Um, I was expecting to go second round maybe third, but I ended up going to the fourth round. So that, you know, the, the difference between the third and the fourth round is a day, right? The third right, round. right. Yeah, wait a day. Yeah. Oh. I'm thinking, <laughs> and I had like the Fox Sports was like set up at the, I was at my sister's graduation. She was graduation, graduated from Mississippi State at the time. She played basketball there. Nice. I, I was down there for that. So we at like the Mississippi, uh, I think it was like the locker room or whatever. We had the Fox Sports thing set up or whatever. Um, and after that, that second day ended, I'm like, man, no more cameras, man. Just, I'm going to my sister's graduation tomorrow. Just whatever happens, just happens. It's in God's hands at this point. But yeah. um, I got a call early fourth round. Um, at that point, Al Davis was a little bit um, – he was starting to get sick, so he didn't have a lot of communication with him. But 
Um, Hugh Jackson was actually the head coach. Uh, oh. That oh, got the call. Got the call. Oh. From uh, it was, I mean, it's a great experience, man. To reach, to reach that level, you know, having a dream your whole life, you reach that that level. The funny thing about having a dream, your dream is to make it to the NFL. Then after you get to that point, you have to you, you have to like change your dreams and your your goals and everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, I made it. I got to perform. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did it. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Now, now what? <laughs> and that year it was a lockout. Mm-hmm. The lockout. I got the call. He was like, "We want. We're going. We're going to pick you up fourth round." And the funny thing, so after I ran the forty, I looked in, and you know the, the Raiders were always we're going to pick the guys who run the fastest. That's kind of it. yes. So nobody expected me to run because I had a cast on and stuff. So after I run the forty. I look up into the stands. I see Hugh sitting right there, and he's like, "Good run!" And he had his like timer, so that made me feel good. I was like, "If nobody drafts me, I'll be gonna well, be that guy, right?" So, but, well, and uh, you had your leg amputated, like we mentioned earlier. So. For real. <laughs> so just, I can, <laughs> I that, you know, I can get to anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so, uh, lockout year. Get the call. I'm drafted. Boom. Then after that, no communication with the Raiders. Still locked out. Went back home. Went back to Ohio State. Went back to my apartment um, with my roommate. It just went back to just sitting around and working out, not knowing what to expect <laughs> until camp came, and then I, you know, everything happened kind of mass from there. Who else did that? Was that Cecil Shorts? Was he in that draft? Uh, yeah, he was in that draft, but he went to 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 go do roof. Yeah, roof, he was a roofer. Roofs. Yeah, see, we had Cecil. We've had Cecil on a couple times, Cecil Shorts. Okay. And I think he was in that same draft. And, uh, yeah, he told us that story. There was the lockout, and he was just like – he went home and was doing – working with a roofing company. And I'm like, you just got drafted into the <laughs> NFL. And he's like, I guess I'll go roof. Some roof. Was, yeah, I guess I'll go roof. <laughs> year because, it, first of all, it was a super deep draft. Like, yeah. he was, Newton was in that draft. You yeah. had all the like top D linemen um, that year, a bunch of corners like, you know, Pat Peterson, um, Joe Hayden. Was yeah. Joe Hayden that year? Yeah, there was, was a bunch of like corners, defensive players. It was a super deep draft, but guys got drafted. And I, you know, I trained out in Miami with Tori Smith and a bunch of guys. Guys get drafted first round or whatever. Then after the draft, you know, just go go home. And it's like, we haven't got any checks. We haven't got anything yet. So I'm like, yeah. so Can I sign my contract? <laughs> uh, yeah, you, I got this money bonus coming, but, you know. Listen, listen yes. can, I get an, can, can I get an advance? Rent's due. Right. Is there any way? Hi, yes, Raiders. I've heard about these signing bonuses, <laughs> and I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you fulfill your dream. You play. You play six years in the NFL, which is which is awesome. Uh, most of them with the Raiders. Uh, where else were you? Dolphins. 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 Yeah. Um, but real quick before we get into the Buckeyes, now uh, you've kind of transitioned into the coaching world, huh? Yeah. So a little bit, not really. So I, I coached at Ohio Dominican. Yeah. Um, played coach corners, which I love. Um. But the part of it I don't like. So I really love the coaching part. I like coaching the players, telling them something, giving them insight. And one thing about corners, corners is kind of – it's different than all the other positions because 
there's coaching for responsibility. Say like you got to be third, you need to backpedal, open up, break or whatever. But then there's so much gray area and how to how to react to situations that most coaches don't have that insight because they haven't actually played the position at a high enough level to, you know, develop like the instinctual stuff that's actually a little bit coachable. Um, so I enjoyed, you know, having like a different perspective on all the defensive coaches and everybody like asking like, what should we call on this play? Um, because, you know, you, you know, <laughs> based off your situation. So that was fun. What I didn't like was just the, the politics of it. Yeah. Really, you know, having to go to a kid's parent and say, you know, we want your kid because he's great at this, this, and this. And then when he gets there, have a, a whole different <laughs> mindset towards him because you got them there. You know, I just didn't like – and I think part of that is that it starts at the leadership, right? But right. it was hard for me to to get acclimated because I always felt like I was a player and one of the guys, yeah. one of your coaches. It's hard to to create that balance, but yeah. So I did I did the coaching thing, which was which was fun. Yeah, is it? It's funny you brought that up, and I, I've always kind of thought that. I've always thought, and again, I did not play at any type of a high level. Uh, I do my best to understand as much about it as I can without having played at any kind of high level. I've always thought the cornerback position it's the one I always want to argue with people about the most. <laughs> do, do you find that that's like the most misunderstood or like? oversimplified thing like if there's a blown coverage people are like why wasn't he there and you're like well because that's not where he like that wasn't the zone he was in or that wasn't his responsibility like if you ever see a corner like go like this after a touchdown yes for the world like it's not my fault the safety was (laughs) (laughs) yes i passed that guy (laughs) off Well, yeah, in the in the get your head around, that's probably the the, the hardest thing to convey to fans. Um, why didn't he just get his head around and pick that ball off? It's like, oh. well, he was, he was beat a little bit, so he could have got his head around, but then the ball goes right over his head. So he's trying to get in a better position, but sometimes it's better to just play his hands, you know. But, so it's it's always hard for fans to understand the corners. Um, no difficulties, but well, it's always for coaches to understand. Sometimes that's that's the most frustrating thing. Sometimes coaches, your actual coach, doesn't understand. <laughs> what, you know, they don't understand. Like they they understand the, the basic fundamentals and the concepts and stuff. But it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. If if everything happened the way you explained it, of course that's how it's gonna turn out. But that's not how things happen. Like the quarterback. <laughs> Broke out of the pocket and started scrambling. Now, what happens then? You know, like, so it's, do I go after him? Do I stay on my mat? What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> oh yeah, coach, I I came off my guy because the quarterback was scrambling and I filled in this. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's what I wanted you to do. I was just double checking. Fine, good. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's jump into this year's Buckeye team before we let you out of here. Chindi Chekwa again joining us, former Ohio State Buckeye. Uh, it's a, it's, it's always an exciting time to be an Ohio state fan, uh, obviously. Uh, yeah. but once again, it, it's another exciting time. Word came out, uh, not long ago that the Buckeyes would be part of the top four, uh, to the chagrin of some because of uh, lack of games played, not the Buckeyes fault. Certainly, uh, we can have a conversation about the big 10, uh, but the Buckeyes are in there. The three seed, it means we've got a rematch. We've got 
Clemson again, uh, and Ohio State has not had good luck with the Clemson Tigers. Uh, so just talk to us a little bit about, A, uh, the team this year, uh, uh, just kind of your, your thoughts in, in a short sample size of the just the six games that they've played and how you're feeling, what you're looking for in this game coming up against the Tigers. Yeah, so the first thing is I, I have to go back to 2019 first. So 2019, the better team lost. Ohio State was a better team, um, top to bottom. You can argue they played a better game, except for the fact that they couldn't deliver in the red zone. So it doesn't matter how great of a drive you have, right? Yeah. You can't put right. the ball in, you leave the other team an opportunity yeah. to win the game. I mean, I, I think it was, if I remember correctly, the only, like, touchdown they had was uh, J.K. Dobbins yeah. in a super long run yes. and scored. The next time he ran a super long run, he got tackled at, like, the 10 – and they ended up picking the field goal. So they went from, like, they scored seven, and they got to 16 from seven from all, I believe it was all field goals. Um, so they, well, they did have another touchdown on defense, Chimdy, but that got called back on the yeah. worst call I've ever seen in a football Terrible game. Call. So, so what happens is when you don't score touchdowns, <laughs> you leave it up to plays like that, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you leave it up. Just small things that can go either way at the end of the day, right? Bad things can happen. So this year, I believe at this point, Clemson has the better team. Only because, and the reason I believe Clemson has a better team is because they played more games. They've been able to see everything. They've been able to fix every all their issues. They've been able to go through a full season. Uh, because what happens in college football is you get better during season. Right. Some teams are worse, but <laughs> ideally, you're not the same team in week two that you are in week 10. Just, just how it is. Unfortunately for Ohio State, I don't know, what was it, six, seven weeks? I mean, they haven't played a full yeah, schedule. So, similar to last year. So, last year they played a full schedule, but they didn't, they didn't really have a true tough test game. And I thought, you know, mm-hmm. Justin Fields, the first-year starter, never really going through that. You know, last couple minutes, I need to make a few big plays and put the game away. Would, would turn out to, to hurt him in the end. I, th- I thought it hurt him. You remember on that last play to Chris Olave through the pick? Yes. I feel like all year, when the, when the play was that tight, he wouldn't throw the ball. He would hold it. He would scramble. You'd find somebody. But I – but on that play, because it was for the win, he stepped into the pocket. He did what he was supposed to do. He delivered the pass. The, the safety made a good break. But Olave yeah. was used to him not throwing that pass, right? So he broke off his route. Yes. He saw the safety break. He broke off his route, was ready for the scramble already, which was happening all year. But this time, it didn't happen, and it led to a pit. I think those are the type of things that get worked out um, typically during the season. This year – they didn't. Unfortunately, they haven't had that season. We haven't seen the best game from Ohio State yet. They're way better than what, how they played. So hopefully, we see it against Clemson, and that'll give them opportunity to win. I'm not proud of the cornerbacks this year. Um, I think they have a lot of talent, but there's like little technique, little things that can be improved on, and hopefully, the scheme protects them against Clemson. But it's a scary thing, though, right? Because you've got – I mean, you do have – you have the best quarterback in college football. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in college football. He is – he's an incredible player, and he has been for years now. Uh, against 
an Ohio State team that uh, that defensively didn't exactly make a guy like Peyton Ramsey look uncomfortable, uh, you know, in Northwestern. And, and they've struggled to uh, make quarterbacks look uncomfortable. They've struggled to get pressure. Uh, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. They're, they're much more of an inside-out team now than an outside-in team, and that's very not Ohio State. They usually have amazing play at the corners and on the defensive ends. Uh, and, and now the inside, the interior, the defense is better. They're better up the middle, but the outsides are where they have uh, some of their struggles. So, uh, you know, what concerns you about Trevor Lawrence and, and the number one pick in the NFL draft, barring some kind of craziness uh, going up against this defense? So the outside, the coverage. So one, so in our discussion about corners and there being a lot of gray area, the way you, the way you solve for that is reps. Like you just have to see everything as a corner to be able to, to this body memory be able to react to it, because you can't just say, all right, we play cover three. This is how you play cover three, and it's just to solve the issue. Offenses scheme up everything, right? Right, right. You have to have you have to have seen it, um, and that's what that's what I think hurts us in a, in a, a limited amount of games is you have um, you have Wade who played all inside last year, so now he, he's moving to the outside, but he doesn't have that much in terms. He doesn't have that much in terms of reps. Then you have Sammy Banks, who actually I've tried to I reached out to um, in the spring, but then the COVID stuff happened. Oh yeah, but, I mean he's a. This is his first year, um, starting, so they they haven't really experienced everything. So part of the difficulty of being a coach is it's hard to coach stuff that hasn't happened to you because there's so much stuff you can coach, right? Like you, there's an unlimited amount of things that you can point to. Yeah. <laughs> so you want stuff to happen, so you try to create it in practice, but it's impossible to create every situation. Um, so I think I think they're going to approach it in a way where they play softer coverage, um, try to keep the ball in front of them, eliminate their explosive plays, and then when you get to the red zone, you have to keep them out of the end zone. I mean that's that's the way to beat to beat Clemson. They're going to move the ball up the field. When they get to the red zone, the field is shrunk. The ball's not going over the top of your head anymore. You got to go make a play. Keep them out of the end zone. And if we keep them out of the end zone, and then obviously on the offensive side. We got to punch it in different than what we did last year. That's the way to, the way to beat them. Now, with Ohio State, on, uh, you know, from an Ohio State standpoint, uh, Jim D, you know, you're only as good as your last game. Now, you know, uh, how – now, with Justin Fields' performance, it wasn't his greatest game. I, I mean, arguably probably not his best game as a Buckeye. Probably worst. And, you know, do, do, yeah. you, do, you, do you chalk that up to a bad game, or are you worried about – are you worried about his performance or, you know, is that a Northwestern just had a good scheme? Like how much did that last performance concern you at all? I'm not concerned about Justin Fields, Justin Fields at all, really. Yeah. So my biggest concern is the reps, the continuity with a kind of a disruptive season. So even, even going into that, that championship game, they had what, mm-hmm. 20 some guys out. They had Brian Hartline, a, a coach out, a receivers coach out. A Brian Hartline guy. Played with hey, who else missed? Didn't Olave miss? Olave was Olave out. Missed. Yeah, that's a huge oh, loss for Justin that, Fields. That disruption. The thing about football is when everything is precise for like a team like Ohio State, they play against Northwestern. They could blow the team out. It could be a a, a sixty point. I mean, like a sixty yeah. point. Yeah. Right. 
little little things are off. Now you have a game. It's like a three point seven point ten point game, and it's there's there's little things that make the difference when you get to elite level athletes, right? And a disruptive a disruption in the practice, the the preparation week can mess up, <laughs> can completely mess up the game, can completely mess up the timing. Um, so I'm not worried about Justin Fields at all, to be honest. I'm glad you said that because we've got we got Brown stock coming up, and that what you just said will feature heavily in Brown stock. Uh, and two, uh, what you said before is the most frustrating, but also kind of refreshing thing to hear from somebody who's actually done it and been there, which is that sometimes a team is going to acknowledge that they're going to play kind of a bend but don't break kind of a defense. You know, like that might be the way to approach a Clemson game is. Clemson's probably going to – they're going to get some plays. They're going to – they'll probably have their fair share of ball control. You are not going – you are not going to go in there and dominate Trevor Lawrence to, to, to the point where he's four for 20 for 82 yards, and he's just terrible all game. It's just – it's probably not realistic. Uh, so so it's kind of refreshing to hear that you – you know, as even as a defense, you might go into that game saying, hey, listen, if we're giving up stuff between the 20s, it is what it is. But once we hit that red zone – we got to lock it down and we got to keep them out of the end zone might be frustrating for fans, but if you can pull that off against a team like Clemson, that, that could be the difference in the game. Yeah. And I, I don't think I like the bend, but don't break turn. I don't think I like it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I did not mean to offend you. Cause what a dick, huh, Chimney? What a dick. <laughs> it's not, to me, it's not really a, a bend, but it's, it's don't allow explosive play. Right, like when you have Okuda and you have um, dang my guy at the Raiders, um, I'm drawing a blank right now. But the two guys we had last year, and then Sean Wade and um, and the, so you can you can be a little bit more aggressive. But still, if you go back, if you go back to 2019 and watch the game, Clemson's big plays were short passes and run. Was Trevor Lawrence taking off and running for two yards? So they flip on the tape from last year. They're like, we have everything covered, but we allow this this guy to leak out. Or we allow Trevor Lawrence to, to step up in the pocket and just run for 15, 20 yards. So you get explosive plays off of things that aren't really designed for the plays that they're creating. He's, he's throwing checkdowns, and the guy's just running for another 10 yards. So, I, I mean, I think you keep everything in front of you. Uh, you play just solid uh, defense. And I think you helped the corners out because I mean they had a short a short year, <laughs> and you know they didn't yeah. have time to lean to your strength. I think I think the linebackers are playing well this yeah. year, so I mean keep them out of the end zone. That's what that's what Clemson did last year. Because Clemson gave up a lot, they <laughs> gave up a lot yeah. offensively, defensively, uh, but they just get, kept it, kept them out of the end zone. All right. Well, hopefully you're right. Hopefully Ohio State's able to keep Clemson out of the end zone uh, and. Again, Ohio State two wins away. They might have only played six games, but eight wins for the Buckeyes gets them a national championship. So, uh, did the did the did the college we've debated on this? Did did they get it right? Did they get the Final Four right? I don't know if there is a right. You know, if I if it was me, I would I would have rewarded Cincinnati because I see the way I look at it. I guess I always approach it like this: when there's a conference. I prefer one representative of that conference, unless there's two teams that are just really, 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 really deserve it. 
I prefer one representative. So one representative from the SEC, one representative from the ACC, one representative from the Big Ten. And then there's not another conference that I feel like really, like Oklahoma didn't do enough for me. If, uh, you know, whatever other conference out there didn't do enough. Yeah. I'm going for the team that, that is undefeated from a smaller conference that showed that they, they deserve a shot. Because at the end of the day, I don't think Notre Dame, I mean, I, 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 don't think, I don't think much of Notre Dame. No. After Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, Richard, are you listening? Richard, yeah, Richard. Richard is <laughs> <laughs> transferring to UCF. So. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> but, uh, now, so I wanted to ask you that. Given that, I've asked a lot of other Buckeyes this, Jimmy. Are you a fan of the four team, or would you rather see it expanded? I do not want to see it expanded. Right. So, okay. everybody who watches wants to see it expanded. Most people. Okay. So even someone who played, I mean, you have, so you have a full season already, right? You have a full season. We're talking about going into January. Then you have two games for the playoffs. If you expand it, you have three, maybe four games. I mean, this is football we're talking about. Like, football games are tough on the body. We're talking about amateur players, amateur players who are not getting paid to play the sport. Who still got? Who still have to go to school? I remember going back, coming back from a uh, a bowl game. I, I want to say it was my freshman freshman year. I think it was the national championship game, and not being allowed to make up my um my lab for chemistry. Oh. I ended up changing my major. I ended up changing my major to business. What? <laughs> like, it was the craziest situation. But I mean, like with with football, it's so demanding when you're playing like a a playoff game or a high level team. School is second. I don't care. It's, they say student athlete, but it's not student athlete. It can't be student athlete unless you want to lose. Right? It's athlete, student. <laughs> That's just the way it has to be. And the more you extend that for for a player, I mean, unless they say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna extend the playoffs, but we're gonna give everybody a payment for each additional game. Then I'm like, okay, let them you know let them extend it. If you're gonna pay the players, then you can extend it. But otherwise. I'm I'm not for it. It's too many games to me. It's too many games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, being an athlete. I mean, granted, I was a div- I was Division two athlete. It's not really, <laughs> not really the same thing. But in a high profile situation, uh, like uh, you know, it, it, at at a powerhouse like Ohio State. I mean, how can you? Like you're sitting in class before the, you know, you know, before you're you're headed off to your bowl game. How are you going to concentrate on anything but that? You're not. You're not. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah. Like basketball, you could play a game and then a day later you could play again. You know what I'm saying? Like you play back to back. Football, you play one week, you got to wait a week. Like you really got to wait three days for the body to recover. (laughs) You got to prepare for a game. So I'm not a fan of it, but I'm not a fan because of the, you know, the taxing on the body and the, how it would just extend too far. It would extend the season too far for a few teams. And then you have the, the senior guys who are going into the, the combine in that process. It's like, how, how long does the season last? Yeah. <laughs> they missed yeah. the, the all-star games that they can play in. Do they, do they, are they prepared for the combine? I think it's just, it's just too much for yeah, me. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, some players may feel different, to be honest. But I remember all my right. team, like, I'm – I'm ready. I'm ready to be done. Like, 
I love it here. I'm ready for this. It's wine time. It is wine right. time. Wine time. They need to pay me to run to run full speed into this other grown man. I need to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cindy. Well, a couple other things. You know, we appreciate your time. Just. Just a few other quick little things that we want to hit on before we let you go. You know, uh, you know, after your NFL career, you know, you've been heavily involved uh, with the Fisher College of Business and in the community in in things like such as you know, uh, you know, ACAP, and you were the keynote speaker for Project Thrive. You know, are you still doing those types of things? And and talk about those that experience for you. Yeah, I am. You know, those. So my approach always to life is to be well balanced. Um, so even when I was playing, I was able to get my MBA while I was, uh, you know, playing in Miami. Wow. There at the University of Miami. So I've always wanted to be, you know, well-balanced because I feel, I feel like it just makes you better. Even at, I felt like I was a better football player, but I felt secure in the rest of the other areas of my life. Um, and I kind of want to bring that message to other, other individuals, whether, I mean, whether an athlete or, you know, ACAP a um, student or whatever. Um, to just let them know, like, you know, these these are some things that help me, you know, stay committed and continue to grow in my my life and my process. So I want to just encourage you to try to do the same and give you some, you know, some life tips that, you know, I felt were, was beneficial, beneficial for me. So those things are important. Um, unfortunately, I'm doing so much now that my time has, has been limited. COVID kind of slowed that stuff down. Um but I hope to be able to continue to grow my business, my entrepreneurship, but also help, you know, other individuals do the same. Well, let's talk about a little bit of some of the other stuff you got going on now. Let's talk a little barbecue. Uh, let's talk <laughs> yeah. about what the pit, right? The pit barbecue. Yeah. That's in Columbus, right? The pit barbecue grill. We got one location right now on Parsons Avenue, South Columbus. Yes. We'll open up a second location um, here this month, January, this month coming up, new year. Uh, in Clintonville, not too far from, you know, Ohio State. And then we'll be opening up a third location in Bridge Park, which is in Dublin, um, yes. you know, suburb of Columbus. So it's it's moving. Um, it's fun. Great barbecue, great food. Our sides are like, it's grandma's recipes all the way uh, through. Okay. So, all right. When are you um, opening up in Cleveland? <laughs> so... so Three of my business partners. So one of them is Brian Browning, which was, who was my college roommate. He played offensive line. Yep. Um, two other yeah. guys that we're close friends with. They're all, those three are all from Cleveland. So we Let's we, go. Talked, we talked about opening in Cleveland. I'm just I need to make sure the market is there, right? There's no uh, barbecue in Cleveland. So you'd be the only one. Yeah, right. There's Listen. terrible barbecue in Cleveland. So Tedkin Senior, Tedkin Senior, I'm sure has some connections, man. Come on. Yeah, we've we've talked. So uh, Tedkin Senior is my guy. Man. I love him. Yeah. Love him, again, Love him too. He's been to the restaurant a few times. Uh, but yeah, I would love to, love to bring it out to Cleveland. Love to. So you got, if y'all get get the word started out there, man, we will, we'll come to Cleveland. I, oh, I will be yeah. your biggest advocate up here. I get send me a T-shirt. Let's go. I will be a Listen. walking billboard. Nah, but yeah, your, we definitely would love to come out there. What's your favorite thing to eat at the pit? What's your favorite thing? So we have, um, so we have this one, this thing called a Polish boy, which is kind oh, of a. Okay. Uh, this is a Cleveland thing. Yes, it um, is. Yes, it is. Yes, Hot sauce it is. Williams. So our Polish <laughs> boy, a lot of people love the Polish boy, but um, we also have pit fries. So in a pit bowl. So these are our signature items. So the Polish boy, 
is Polish all beef Polish sausage, smoked, fried, um, coleslaw. Well, fries, slaw, and, and, and barbecue sauce. The Polish girl, you have pulled pork to it. Yes, and then the fries you can get with either brisket, pulled pork, or pulled chicken. And then our pit bowl is the whatever meat meat of your choice, our mac and cheese. First of all, we have the best mac and cheese that you've ever you would ever have ever tasted in your life. My wife has sold. You just sold my wife on that. You sold <laughs> my wife. At first, I used to say maybe I'm overstating it. Maybe I'm just so biased, you know, right? But then when other people tell me, and I'm like, okay, okay, it's true. So our pit bowl is the meat, the mac and cheese, and our slaw with sauce um, in in a, um, a toasted a toasted brioche bun. So I mean, it's good stuff. Um, obviously, uh, we, you know, we have the smoked meats, the brisket, the, the uh, ribs, rib tips is is something that's a little uh, different that a lot of people don't have. Um, so oh, it's, it's, it's all good stuff, man. Y'all y'all have to come out uh, to the restaurant and we'll you know chop it up. Drink some ginger yeah. beer. Ginger beer. Yeah. Hey, listen. Next time I'm Columbus, Jim D, I'm gonna hold you to that, man. I mean, are you guys open? Are you guys open now? Like, I'm a couple beers in. Like, that <laughs> just sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So our parcel location is closed now. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Good night. Good night. It will be open tomorrow. Hey, Good listen. Night. I think Chad and I might jump in the car, drive the couple hours. Jim D, I, I will Jim drive for good barbecue. I slept here. All right. I'm at the front door. All right. <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, uh, we appreciate all the time. We'll let you go. Jim D. Checkwell, former Ohio State Buckeye, former NFLer, uh, giving us awesome, some awesome stories about your time at Ohio State, some great stories, and some good feedback about this Ohio State team, Buckeyes, Clemson, coming up national semifinal. Jim D., good luck with the pit. Good luck with everything else you got going on. Uh, and uh, I can almost assure you that you will see us. We will be reaching out. We will be coming down to try out this barbecue. Uh, because it sounded amazing. Nice to have you guys. Appreciate you inviting me on. It's, it's been fun. Good time. And thank you once again to our very special guest, Chimney Checkwell. Go find him online. Uh, on Twitter, he's at Chimchek. So oh. C-H-I-M-C-H-E-K. Oh, what happened? You know what? I've, we've got to bring it up in the interview. But Chimney was drafted with the 113th overall pick of the 2000, what was it? 2011 draft. Yep. In the 114th pick immediately after Chimdy was friend of the show, Cecil Schwartz. Hey, Schwartz. how about that? Hey, huh, that's Cecil, pretty cool. My man. Just my man. how we planned it. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's who knew that was going to come up, but good find there, Joe. Uh, again, on Twitter, if you want to follow him, at ChimCheck, C-H-I-M-C-H-E-K. If you want to follow him on Instagram, it's ChimCheck35. Uh, but thank you again, sincerely. He spent a, a great amount of time with us, Chim Checkwell. Gave us awesome insight uh, into kind of the life of a corner as a defensive back. We talked about his time at Ohio State and the current Buckeyes, all that. Uh, and and he enjoyed a nice Italian wine with us on top of that. So our thanks to Chim D for joining us. So guys, we're going to transition off the Buckeyes now and we're going to get into, uh, listen, we're going to get into a topic that I, I think what's uh, going to happen here is it's going to start a little somber, but it's going to get really freaking cool uh, towards the end. Uh, but we're going to get into our Cleveland Browns. Um, and, and last weekend almost could not have gone worse, worse you know, for the Cleveland Browns. It almost couldn't have gone worse. 
there were a, one or two things went the Browns' way, but it almost couldn't have gone worse, especially knowing that you went in against a one-win Jets team and did not get the win. Uh, that was that was really rough, guys. Like none of us really wanted to talk about it after the game. That was that was rough. No, it hurt. But uh, what are we like four or five days out now? Mm-hmm. Um, I almost am at the point where I can blame the circumstance more than the team uh, about <laughs> the game. Because literally, just in our interview with Chimdi, he was saying he's like, yeah, you know, all these guys that like you know, you, you create a game plan for an entire week before a game. And then if you have a guy that goes down like two days before the game, that destroys your entire game plan. If you lose your entire receiving core and most of your linebacking core the day before a game, uh, I mean, you know, it's a professional team. It's not like the jets are not professional players. You know, you can, you can win and lose on any given Sunday. That's, that's uh, been Stefanski's motto all year, motto all year. So uh, you know, it's it's they should have won it, um, but this is kind of a pass in my mind. Well, and I, you know I, I think I think in the second part of that game, Joe, to your point, I think the Browns played pretty well. <laughs> I think I think they played pretty well. Once they kind of got on the same page, they played pretty well. It was just too late. I mean, mm-hmm. the Jets ran out on them early, and and like, yeah, you don't want to make you, anytime you make an excuse. I think we as people are conditioned to be like, oh, you're just making excuses. But like they did a run through in a Waffle House parking lot at eight o'clock in the morning with guys that are practice squad guys who a couple of them came up pretty good, like came up pretty good in that game, had pretty decent games. But like that is a circumstance that you can't you cannot prepare to take. Rashard Higgins and Jarvis Landry and Donovan Peoples Jones and just remove them from the game plan and be like, hey, Baker, go be good. <laughs> Especially your, when meet your new receivers. This, was, this, yeah, yeah. Here's your <laughs> new receivers. In three hours, I'm going to need you to go be good against the Jets. Um, especially when, and this drives me nuts, you also were without Jedrick Wills. And, and Wyatt Teller. Without Wyatt Teller. And uh, and you were without Chris Hubbard. Yeah. And so for all of the people that I saw screaming at Kevin Stefanski that they should have run the ball more, you were without two of your linemen and one of the backups, and the Jets clearly were out to stop the run. And when they did run the ball, it, there was one decent run in that game. I, I think it was Nick Chubb in like the third quarter that had a pretty good run of like 15 yards. Yeah. Otherwise, the Jets were all over it. They needed to pass the ball, and it just was – it was the worst-case scenario for the Browns. You know, guy, you know, you talked about excuses, Mike, and you kind of – you almost feel bad about making excuses – and talking about like the, the the personnel missing just because you know that the players and the coaches aren't going to make any excuses for it. Uh, you know, but there was some practice squad guys that did step up, you know, Jamarcus Bradley had a nice little game for himself in the second half there yeah. after Baker started trusting these receivers. But it, you know, in the, the, I guess the frustrating part was, okay. So the jets were 14th against the run, Right and they were 30th against the pass. It's like the wrong 
skill position personnel got got kicked out for COVID. Oh, wow. <laughs> but like true, but whoa. In this, in this game, you know, you, you know, it, it, you know, would I like to have seen them run the ball a little bit more just to keep this Jets, just to keep that Jets defense honest? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, I, I think you kind of had to, I think they got away from it a little too early. Sure. Sure. But I, I think they still needed to, to keep them honest, but like, I get the pass heavy game plan. I mean, when, when you're, when you're again, like you said, Mike, when you're in a waffle house parking lot doing the walkthrough to, to try the best you can to bring four taxi squad guys up to speed as much as possible. You're not, you're, you're not going to change the game plan from 8 a.m on game day to one o'clock on game well, day. And here's the other I, thing, you're, Chad. You're, I think you're, you're just not. Shimdi Chekwood was so, I think, really valuable to this conversation. He talked a lot yeah. about the nuance of playing the cornerback position. Well, let's talk about the nuance for mm-hmm. a minute of being a wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. Listen, 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 Herb. Being a wide receiver in the NFL isn't the same thing as being a wide receiver at your high school where you were, I'm sure, an all-conference player. Who's like, Herb? There isn't. There, I don't Herb? know. I just made up Herb. Who gives a shit? It's a obscure name. Yeah, Herb. Uh, <laughs> okay. Listen, you don't have a route tree that's just numbered one to nine, and the quarterback's like, 124, and you know which one of those is your number, and you run that route tree. You're speaking like, to like the seven people named Herb in the world. No, I'm speaking to all them Herbs. You might be a Herb. I don't even know about it. Uh, <laughs> but it, 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 it's there is timing involved, and 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 what people don't realize is a lot of plays in a good offense rely on the quarterback and the receiver reading a defense. And, and, and a lot of them are option routes. Am I going to read this defense yeah. and do this route? Or am I going to read this right. defense and do this route? Right. And so quarterbacks and wide receivers get on the same page to make that read. And when they are not practicing together all the time and running through that all the time, you lose all of that. Right. And so it isn't just right. a simple, like, why aren't these receivers? Why can't they do this? It was... It was a horrible situation for the Browns yeah. and, and they almost pulled it off. And the only thing that I'm mad about in that game, really the only thing I'm mad about in that game, Baker Mayfield fumbled the ball three times in that game. Right. Right. That can't happen. That's, no. And, 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 nope. and, and I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like Baker's terrible thing. No. It no, just not. can't happen. He's not, but his, but, uh, but yeah, I, but you have to say, like, I mean, you have to point out that his fumble late in the game is 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 was 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 is what cost the game. I mean, you have to you. It's okay to say that without 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 changing your opinion on whether you think Baker Mayfield is good or bad. Well, it, you know, it, it certainly it, cost them the chance to win the game. It, 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 I don't it, know it that cost, it cost them, them the game, game, but it cost them a chance to win the game at the end. Sure, he, sure. too many fumbles. Baker, yeah. you can't. You cannot put the ball on the ground three times, and no. that last one is the most egregious one because you're you're there. You've got the ball cradled. You're on the back of one of your offensive linemen, and you are pushing. You're going to get that first down. 
You take one fucking Dave Casper rule. Oh, that fucking Dave Casper rule. You can blame the rules all you want, but the rules are what they are. I know, but it is still. a fourth down fumble rule. It, it, it is always in existence. It is what it is. If you fumble, you're the only one that can advance the ball. Like you just you can't fumble there. So, but but listen, it's a it's a worst case nightmare scenario because of what happened the rest of the day, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers pull off a huge comeback and they defeat the Colts, and that's your opening. The Pittsburgh yeah. defeats Pittsburgh defeats the Colts, and there's your opening. All the Browns need to do is beat the Jets, and they are in the playoffs, and the Browns lose to the Jets. The Dolphins, with the most fucking outrageous win of the season. Oh, where my God. Ryan Fitzpatrick, everybody will talk about the face mask, which was horrible. Right. Not the call, but the actual face mask itself. Right. But he got the, his head ripped off, essentially. The fact that with, like, 15 seconds left in the game, he floated a ball to the boundary and the uh-huh. defense just wasn't ready for it. And it was completed. No. It was perfect. Yeah. Right that under the safety, took, right over the cornerback. It wasn't perfect. It was no. bad defense. That ball took about a minute to get to the receiver. It floated. <laughs> and it's, that, oh, that, defense that Raiders secondary has been probably the worst secondary in the NFL this year. Mm-hmm. They've been bad. So Miami pulls off what should not have been a win, nope. but that makes life harder. It just right. everything, not everything, not everything. The Green Bay beating the Titans and Pittsburgh beating the, the Colts was helpful. But, like, it was not an ideal scenario for the Browns to take a loss. But here we are. So here, here we are, boys. Now let's pick it up. Now let's get excited. Because for real – for the first time in a long time, week 17 for the Browns is a playoff game. Yeah. It, uh-huh. it doesn't count as a playoff game. And if they lose this game and they don't make the playoffs, you won't say the Browns made the playoffs. But technically, this is a win and advance game. Right. If the Browns mm-hmm. win because of the fact that the Colts lost and the Titans lost, if the Browns mm-hmm. win – they will advance. They will make the playoffs. They are in control of their own destiny. And the only thing standing in their way is Mason Rudolph <laughs> and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't give a fuck about Mason Rudolph. <laughs> Just win. I don't care. Like if the, if the Browns were five and 10 coming into this game, I'd be like, yeah, listen, Pile drive him like into the <laughs> ground. Like I don't, I, I like I don't care. Like just just power bomb him into the back of his center, Marquise Pouncey. Uh, 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 but I, I don't care. Just just win. That's uh, that's it by any means necessary. If you win this game, I don't know, three to two on a walk off field goal, just win. <laughs> Are there fans that's, this that's week? All I need you to do. Huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Did, did, be did a, you guys see the ticket prices? Well, hopefully sure that'll keep some Steelers fans out. Oh, I, I want to uh, say, like, to get into the building is like $2,000. Woo! Yeah. Woo! I'm sure our friend Gab Gowdy has some simp uh, giving him tickets. <laughs> yes, but, simp but, <laughs> <laughs> I will be um, – my, my ass will be simp ticketed right to that couch right there. Yeah, exactly. It's the best <laughs> view in the seat in the city. 
Oh, Guys, man. it is it, like what I could ask for the Browns to have beat the Jets last week to wrap this up so that the game this week didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But you know what? At the end of this crazy 2020 year where our Cleveland Browns are 10 and five, what more could you ask for? Then what a, a way to bring win, in the new year. Huh? Then a win and get in scenario against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Where all you have to do is beat that team from Pittsburgh and yeah. you make your first playoff appearance since 2002. Yeah. What more uh-huh. could you ask for? You can't. You can't. You can't at all. And I don't care if the Steelers sit more uh, starters. Go ahead. You don't have anything to play for. The Browns can get whether the Browns get in, whether they're playing the fourth stringers or the first stringers. I don't care. This is our Jim Sorge year. This yeah. is it. The Pittsburgh exactly. Steelers are resting their starters like the Indianapolis Colts did in 2007. Oh, it's payback. It's Sorge year. It's payback exactly. for them. And exactly. the Browns need to do it. And and yeah. I know there's been more scares. Uh, I know there was a practice squad player that tested positive. Uh, and and coach. The, the f- facility closed for a second, but it reopened today. And they actually uh-huh. did practice today. Yeah. Uh, it looks like everything's doing better. Yeah. Uh, and, Ronnie and Harrison's back this week. You get Ronnie. You lose Carl Joseph, but you get Ronnie and Harrison. And Andrew Sindejo. Is he back? No, he's no, out. Andrew Sindejo's out with COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, hang on. <laughs> hang on. Don't talk about. Don't don't do my boy like that. Oh, don't do his boy like that. Don't do my, my boy God. like that. Do my boy like he that. Is, that guy's come up with some of the most clutch One plays. Play. No. One <laughs> last week. Yeah. One play last week. <laughs> No, listen, <laughs> Ronnie Harrison back, but listen, you've got more importantly, you've got uh you've got Jarvis Landry back. You've got Richard Higgins back. Your receivers, yes. Right. That's very you've got important. Donovan Peoples Jones back. Bet, how many how many how many reps do you Why? think that the practice squad wide receivers got with the first team offense this week? <laughs> right. <laughs> Why a teller why a teller is supposed to be back tomorrow? Jedrick Grills will be back, I think, right? Yeah, Jed Jed should be back. Why Teller may be back. Guys, it it, it is the scenario. Dude, I, I tell you played what. played all year, 16 weeks to get to this point. The Cleveland Browns, all they have to do is beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they are a postseason berth. That's I'll it. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. For, for those who didn't think that, like, who wanted to downplay the impact of missing all that personnel – uh, this this past week, when Wyatt Teller is in the game, yeah. okay, when Wyatt Teller is in the game, the Browns rush for 183 yards a game. When Wyatt Teller is missing, the Browns rush for 88 yards a game. Yes. So if we can get Wyatt Teller back, huge difference, huge difference, especially with this way, with the way this this Steeler defense, this of oh, the Steelers, the Steeler defense has been playing over the past few weeks. They've been giving up some runs, so. If we can get Wyatt Teller back, humongous addition. Well, and listen, here's the other thing. You can talk about how you don't care about the Mason Rudolph thing. And, and I think to a point you're right, Chad. Like that shouldn't be the focus is to like get Mason Rudolph. But here's what I will tell you. If you're Miles Garrett, you went through that whole scenario last year. You missed the back end of the season. You then came out and said your version of what happened and we're called a liar by Mason Rudolph. Uh, 
And so I don't think the whole team needs to have this Mason Rudolph focus because that might throw you off a little they bit. They won't. But Miles Garrett? He won't. Miles Garrett should have a Mason Rudolph focus. And I, and I, and I don't mean like excessive force. I don't mean late hits. I don't mean piled off. I mean Miles Garrett. Oh. Miles Garrett should have a chip on his shoulder the size of Texas. <laughs> get in there. I mean, if he gets if he, get three sacks this week. Because if he gets of a clean shot, happened. if he gets a clean shot at him, he puts you. He should put his helmet right in his freaking numbers. That's it. That's it. <laughs> like, so put his helmet right, right between his. I don't know his stupid number, whatever his stupid number is on his jersey. So that's it, guys. That's it. It's it's it, it's Brown Steelers for a playoff berth. Yeah, and and it's it's the most excited I've been for a Browns game, and I cannot tell you how long. Uh, one to ten. One to ten. Come on. Ten. Uh, okay. And and it's our chance. It's our chance to all be right on our on our preseason projections. Eleven and five. <laughs> we all had them eleven and five. If they win this week, they finish eleven and five, and they are in the playoffs. So we'll wrap it up with the Browns talk. Browns play Steelers Sunday, one p.m., which I am so relieved about because I kind of thought that was going to get flexed out of that position, but I'm I'm glad to know early. What's going to yeah. happen in that game? Uh, yeah. And then we'll see. We might be talking Browns playoffs next week. Uh, uh, Maybe. Real quick while we're still on football, and then we'll hit a little quick basketball before we get out of here. But while we're still on football, the fantasy football season ended this last <laughs> week. How do you feel about this, Joe? I didn't play in the game. Uh, I'll probably <laughs> just cut this part out later. So you no, you won't. Okay, no, you won't. No, you won't. The fantasy football season ended this week, and I, I proved to be a man of integrity. I, I, I didn't take Joe's bet last week, but I should have. But I should have. Because for the second year in a row, for the second year in a row in my league, the first time we've ever had a two-time champion, let alone a back-to-back champion, my team, appropriately named Purple Face because of my large birthmark on my face. Purple Face won the title in a landslide, in an absolute Wait. landslide. You have a birthmark? Shut up, Chad. Uh, <laughs> in an absolute landslide. Yeah. And and here was the fun part. We're hanging out Monday night. Uh, Joey's getting ready to, you know, pack up and go. Was that Monday night or Sunday night? Monday night. It was Monday. Joe's yeah. getting ready to pack up and drive back to Nashville. He he hung out with us that night. And his team had a really good week in the third place game. And my team was doing okay, but I only needed an okay week to win. But Joe, real confidently on the couch, was like, aren't you glad he didn't take that bet? Because remember, Joe's <laughs> bet that he offered me was that he was going to score more than me this you week. You can't gloat about a bet you didn't yeah. take. And he would have won. Can't clue well, about it, but you didn't take. My two players that I had left were the Buffalo defense, and he was up by, I don't know, like 30-some points. The Buffalo defense and a young man that plays wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills named Stephon Diggs, <laughs> who scored 45 points in that Monday night game. And uh, my final score wound up, Pretty much dominating what Joe pulled off in his third place game. So let's talk about uh, how bullshit the NBA power rankings are. (laughs) They had had the Cavs at 22nd this week. 
Hold on. on. Wait a the minute. three Wait and a oh calves. We're not done with this. We're not what? done with this. Well, we're we're not done with this. You, what do you want? What do you want? Well, you you, you didn't take a bet and you ended up would have winning that bet. Oh, you, you, you had nothing to show a, for it. You talked a lot of shit. I, what do you mean I have nothing to show for you it? You have nothing to show for that bet. You talked a lot of shit and your team not only lost the semifinal game, but when you still talk shit, you still lost that bet too. Not an undisputed champ. Uh, you've never beat me, so uh, maybe I've never year. beaten you. Yes, Not I have. This year. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to sit here with my championship and my winnings, which, by the way, uh, go ahead and Venmo or PayPal me the money. Thanks. Uh, and uh, and we'll see you again next year, buddy. When I go for the three, Pete. So these power rankings. All right, let's get into the NBA. Jesus right, Christ. Uh, Joe's, 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 Joe's the listeners that are avidly tuned into our fantasy league. Joe's Joe is sad. just not having it. He was <laughs> sad. It's, it's a sad day for him. Third place was not what he enjoyed. The flavor he has chosen is salt. It's <laughs> my favorite flavor. All right, let's, let's finish things up with the Cavaliers, right? Cavaliers started the season over the last week. We've had four Cavaliers games. And Joe, I think you, I think you're right on the starting point. What? First of all, I'm going to say, and we should Power be rankings. In this Cavaliers team is a good time. They, they are a party. They're a good time. It's exciting. Mo, like most, especially when they are healthy. When when you have Okoro out there, and you have Kevin Love out there, and you have the team out there. They are exciting, but this is a team that has started three and one. They just took their first loss last night to the Knicks. But Joe, uh, you texted me, you texted us about this before. What were they listed in the power rankings? This, this is such bullshit. Week? The three and O Cavs were listed at 22 in this week's power rankings, which doesn't make any sense. I think the power rankings have to like whoever makes them, it has to be this thing where like you climb your way up or you slowly climb your way down. But really the power rankings are your power in with a given week. Cause that's why they change every week. Uh, and the Cavs were listed at 22nd. Now, granted they play the Hornets and the Pit- Pistons and then the Joel and B list 76ers. Um, Okay, but, they, but, right, but pause there. The Hornets made a ton of moves in the offseason and had a high draft pick. People are expecting competitiveness out of the Hornets. Yep. The Detroit Pistons made a ton of moves. People are expecting competitiveness out of the Detroit Pistons. The, the, Hornets, handed their, the Hornets handed their Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets their first loss. Right. They've got yeah. players on that team. I think Gordon Hayward is the most overrated star player on the planet, but mm-hmm. he's there. And you've got Terry Rozier is there, and you've got Mellow Ball is there. Like they've got players on the Hornets. Uh, the Sixers, listen, the Sixers are supposed to be a competitor. Like they are supposed to compete for the East. They're they didn't not have just, Joel Embiid. They didn't have Joel. I don't give fair, a they shit. Didn't have Joel Embiid. I don't All give a right. shit. All you're, right. You're supposed to be a competitor in the East. So you uh, you miss Joel Embiid for one game and you get blown out? You get your doors blown off you by the Cavs? Well, you're not well, – okay, can we talk about Ben Simmons for a minute? Let's – real quick, and then we'll get back to the Cavs. Can we talk about Ben Simmons for a minute? Why uh, is he in okay. the league? Does, well, he deserves to be in the league. He's a good player. Uh, but why do we talk about Ben Simmons like he's a superstar? I don't know. My dog, you are like a point guard – and you made your first career three-pointer last year, and you're 
the whole world celebrated like it was like the biggest feat and accomplishment of all time. He Ben Simmons cannot absolutely cannot carry a team to wins. Absolutely. Why do we talk about him like he's an all star? Because uh, he dated Kylie Jenner. Oh, well, OK. All right. Fair. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> Like that's why he's in the spotlight. I think. I mean, I don't know. He's, he's just if if I if if I've got a team like Philly, and they're supposed to compete for the Eastern Conference title, you've got Ben Simmons, which is supposed to be one of your lead guys. Joel Embiid goes out. You expect against the Cavs, you expect Ben Simmons to like take over the game and lead though. them to a win. And he can't, he can't though because he's never been that guy. He's he's a, he's. He's a J, he's a Jason kid type player. He's like he's like a much bigger Jason kid. He's a distributor. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a dribble drive. He, he's a drive and dish guy. He's not like he, he's not a scorer at all. So I mean he's he's not going to do that. That's, yeah, just, that's kid, just not that's just not who he is. When Jason Kidd was on a team with Vince Carter and Richard Jefferson, it worked. It worked. Sure. And Jason Kidd was a much better scorer. Than Ben Simmons, like oh yeah, definitely thousands a much better, of but, times better. Well, sure, he was a he was a much better scorer. Than, I mean, it's not hard to be a better scorer than Ben Simmons. <laughs> but I just but, but Jason but Jason Kidd wasn't a scorer though. He wasn't. I, thought, I mean, so back to the Cavs real quick because I don't want to get too crazy about Ben Simmons. I thought uh, I thought there were some great quotes that came out from the Cavs. I thought Colin Sexton had a great quote. In talking about their loss to the Knicks, which happened last night, Colin Sexton said, this is why we are a better team. This is why we are a different team. One, we were missing some of our key players. Fucking uh-huh. Dylan Windler, man, and that and that broken uh, hand is going to sideline him for weeks, which is a bummer because yeah. he was playing well. But they were without Kevin Love, and they were without Isaac Okoro. And, okay, so they were without some players. And Colin Sexton said in the last, like last year, here's the difference. Uh When they were shooting as poorly as they did in that game against the Knicks and the Knicks played as well as they did, he's like, we would have lost by 30 points. But this year's team kept coming back and we kept making plays and we kept making plays and we made that game close. Yeah. And they did make that game close. This Cavaliers team, I have to tell you, man, we talk a lot. Fair enough. We talk a lot about Ohio State. We talk a lot about the Browns. This Cavaliers team, man, this is exciting. They they are an ex- uh, shout out to Tim Alcorn because he called a lot of shit. Colin Sexton is a star. He is an all star. He should be an all star. Darius Garland is great. That dude is like that guy is his assists and his ability to shoot the ball phenomenal. Larry Nance has been great. Yeah, like these guys are they're coming together, and I think this Cavaliers team. I love seeing when I go on Twitter that the the reaction that they're getting. People are excited about them. They're exciting to watch. They're a fun team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's an emphasis on ball movement. There's a lot of athletes on this team. They're very fast. Uh, you know, the shooting has improved. I mean, you you even saw the motivation of this team when you saw Darius Garland and Colin Sexton taking shots after the game, after the yes. New York Knicks loss. 
So, I, I mean, you just saw the motivation on, on, on this team to get better. And, and they're just going to keep improving. So, yeah, it, it's going to be exciting to see. And, I mean, and, and again, I know I've talked about this before, but that's coming from a guy in me who's not the biggest NBA fan. But it, it's when it comes to the Cavs, yeah, I, I, I want them to be good. And, and it looks like that they are really on their way to kind of turning a corner. Like when, a, when an NBA team decides to rebuild like the Cavs did, like the Cavs did, it, it takes a long, long time for an NBA team <laughs> to get good again when they start to build through the draft, when they start to get young. Yeah. But this Cavs team looks like it's on the way to be uh, to, 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 to to being a playoff contender. I'm not going to say title contender, but it looks like it's yes. on the way to being a playoff contender. And you know what? Shout out goes to the one of the players that we haven't named uh, who deserves a ton of credit. But there's two players that really deserve a ton of credit for that. We didn't even talk about Andre Drummond. He's our best player. Andre yeah. Drummond uh-huh. is uh, like Colin Sexton, I think, is an all-star. Andre Drummond's our best player. He's that already guy, been an all-star. <laughs> that guy is a walking, talking 24.15 rebound game. Yeah. He uh-huh. is so good. And he's yeah. one of the few centers in the NBA that you can, like, yeah. play around. You can dish him the ball in the post. Uh-huh. And you will get good results. The other one, and I've been hard on this guy because he's not my favorite, but he has been really good this year. Uh, Chetty Osman deserves some credit. Yeah. He has been good. He's making shots. He's playing well. He's playing hard. And he's much better than he was last year. So this Cavaliers sure. team, man, uh, we'll do sure. weekly check-ins with the Cavs. I do not expect the Cavs to win games at a three-to-one clip. Like, that, that ain't going to yeah. happen throughout the course of the year. And they've showed – they can stall out offensively a little bit uh, yeah. to where they're probably going to have a couple rough patches throughout the year where they might be, maybe struggle to win some games. But uh, I think between the talent that they have that's developing, and then like you said, Chad, these guys staying after a loss. They're so pissed early in the year. Think about that. Early yeah. in the year, they are so pissed that they lost to the Knicks that Darius Garland and Colin Sexton stayed out on the court just shooting shots mm-hmm. just to get better. Yeah. That is uh, credit to those guys, obviously. But J.B. Bickerstaff has this team playing well, uh, and it's going to be really fun to just go through this short season with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean it's it's only a, a, a what? A 10-game shortened season, so it's still a long way to yes. go. Yeah, uh, and and it's yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I totally agree with you, Mike, on, on Drummond being the best player yes, on this team. So good, you know, and and that's just he's this weird hybrid because he's got the body of an old school NBA center, but he is athletic enough to keep up with this new generation yes. in the NBA. So yeah. it's just it's it's really going to be a fun a fun season with the Cavs. I think he's an awesome acquisition and he seems to love being around. He seems to love this team. They all seem to love this team. Remember, that's the other thing that, that has me laughing. Remember yeah. that it seemed like Colin Sexton's first year, Kevin Love didn't like Colin Sexton. There was a lot of like headbutting going on there. None yeah. of that anymore. Yeah. These guys seem to like the veterans seem to like the young guys. The young guys seem to like the veterans. They're all meshing. And again, a lot of that credit goes out to Kobe Altman, goes out to JB Bickerstaff and his crew and his staff. And uh, 
you know, one week into this season, my excitement levels for this Cavaliers team are up by probably a hundred percent. Like, uh, yeah. I am so excited. They are must watch TV for me in this house. When they're on, I'm like, I got to watch the Cavs. Yeah. I can't I watch them be like that. I can't watch them right now. So uh, hopefully, you, you know, I'll just keep getting my updates from you, Mike. Fox sports. And, go. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. That's not well, we'll talk about, I'll get you, I'll get you some, I'll get you a hookup, but we'll talk about that. Uh, ooh, All right. So I think that's going to do it. Creesh. Creesh. The Cavaliers three and one, the Browns this Sunday against the Steelers one o'clock for the postseason. They are effectively in a playoff game. And uh, as we talked about with our very, very special guest, Chimdi Chekwa, we got the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Clemson Tigers getting ready to face off in just a couple of days uh, for the national semifinal. We will recap all of that next week, but that's going to do it for us. For Joey down there in Nashville at Garage Beers, Joe, for Chad over there on the east side at Garage Beers, Chad, I am Michael Keefe. Go follow the show at Garage the Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram and at the Garage Beers Podcast on Facebook. For us, we hope you have an awesome new year. We Hopefully, we have good news to talk about next week. We're going to get out of here. Thank you for listening. Have a great new year, and cheers, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.